Welcome to the Break New Ground podcast. I'm your host, Luis Prado, a.k.a. B-Boy El Prado, and we'll be using this podcast as a way to connect with local San Diego artists. We'll be exploring their careers, their take on the creative process, and how they are currently breaking new ground. So welcome. Welcome, Nikki. Welcome to the Break NG podcast. Uh, today we have Nikki Q. He's a B-Boy, an active competitor in the breakdancing community. He's a teacher. He's an inspiration. He's a friend. Uh, but I feel like the person that can best uh, explain that would be Nikki himself. Hey, what up, guys? What's going on? What's going on, Luis? Thank you. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity, man. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for one. being here, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah this is you're, you're like uh, you're like a pioneer, I guess, because you're the first guest and you're going to set the standard for everybody else. Yeah, that comes I hope on. so, dude. Um, yeah. So kind of explain to me, who is Nikki Q? Like, what do you do as an artist? Who am I? Let's see. Um, well, I'm from Iowa, right? That's for starters. Yeah, that's a long way coming out to San Diego. Diego. Yeah, man. Um, I've been breaking for about 18 years now, since the year 2000. Shit, dude. It's so, easy to keep track because you can just yeah, yeah, way, <laughs> way, way easy, way easy. But yeah, so I moved out to California about coming up on three years now. Oh shit! So yeah, time flies, dude. I remember when you first came onto the scene. You just like popped off on everybody, and it seems like that was literally just like a few months ago. I agree, dude. Like, because uh, Facebook has a timeline, whatever <laughs> yeah. thing. It's easy to keep track through Facebook. It keeps track, and then like it's, it pops back up on your feed, and it's just like, oh shit, this was only a year ago. Seems like an eternity, but you know, like I said, I've only been out here for two and a half years. So yeah, man. Yo, man, so it's been 18 years. Yes. You're still, have you always been competing, like, all the way through? No, man, so that's a good point. Um, the most I've ever competed was in California, man, two years ago. Oh, because in Iowa, you'd either have to travel five hours each way, you know what I mean, to even get to a jam. And even then, those jams were at least, like, once, once, maybe twice a year. Were they big jams? No, not big jams, bro. Like, if so you want to do... like, local jams. Like, local jams, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Once, like, one or two or three a year. And even then, you know, like, I was young, like, from... From... When I first started competing was when I was 12, right? Dude, that's hella young. Yeah, so 12... So 12 to 17 was my competing years. Okay. And just imagine only doing one or two battles a year. That's because not that much for, growth. Yeah, for one, you have no car. Two, you're going to school, you have no job, so how are you going to fund it, right? Yep. So you're going to have to pick and choose, you know, what kind of jams you want to go to. So, yeah, I mean, my my competitive, like, my battle experience in Iowa and the Midwest isn't compared to anything of a person out here. Who's know, been doing it, like, yeah, since and, they started, yeah. yeah. And they've, been, they've been only breaking for five years, but they've had more battle experience than you. Yeah. You know what I mean? 15 jams a year. But, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And that puts it in perspective for the V-Boys uh, in uh, Japan and Korea. Like, they might have local jams, but their local jams are fucking international level. Yeah. You know what I mean? People so are flying out to their local jams. You know, yeah. Their uh, kids are doing fucking crazy, amazing stuff. Yeah. Because they're battling into that scene already. You know what I mean? They're already seeing that high level as yeah. a young starter. Yeah. yeah, high level to them is normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so damn, dude, eighteen years, you barely started competing. What has like kept you going? Because a lot of people at some point would have quit a long time ago. After ten years, 
and especially since you barely moved out here, yeah. 10 years doing one or two gems a year, I'm sure you were like, damn, like, yeah, you know, what's going on? So what kept you going? Why are you still doing this now? Yeah, so that actually uh, clicked in my head right there because to put that in perspective, it was, I guess, I mean, I love to practice. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? If you don't love to practice, then you don't love any, anything, really. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You don't, say if you're a painter, say you like painting, but you don't practice. You don't really like painting. That's, you know that's what I mean? Yeah. You're, you're intrigued by it. That's it. Like, it gets your attention. That's you're a fine. fan, but you're, you're not. Fan. You're not you're, yeah. yeah, you're not a freaking uh, purist, I guess you could say. You know what I mean? <laughs> a purist because, of painting. Yeah. yeah, because the B-boys that like practice all day long, they're purists, man. Yeah. yeah. They, no, they, can, oh, yeah. they can see all the detail. As for fans... They want to see Issei do fucking double halos and shit. You know what I mean? They're the ones that are commenting on YouTube like, damn, I've seen Issei do so much better yeah, than this battle. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, dude. And then, like, you click on the profile and they're 12 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, dude, who am I talking to on the internet yeah. nowadays? Yeah. So, I mean, I ignore all that shit anyway, but, yeah, you know what I mean? So, so damn, uh... Right now you're a teacher. We just finished talking about this. You're a teacher. Um, after eight years, after 18 years of breaking, like, what is the most valuable lesson you could be teaching anybody right now? Like, as move wise, or just kind of like uh, just, just from your whole entire process. process like, like, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying like your big thread combos. Like, what's the biggest idea, the biggest concept that you can like, oh, pass on to someone? Definitely footwork, man. Footwork? I am always teaching six step, no matter what. And you know what's funny is it always it took me this long to figure that out <laughs> because yeah. I. I I'll, I'll admit that footwork is my weakest point, and that's sad because footwork is the core of breaking. You know, yeah. we strip footwork away, we don't. We're fucking biting everything. Yeah, gymnasts yeah. and all that shit. That's you know true. what I mean? But so I mean, I've been focusing on footwork for a long time now. I mean, not a long, long time, but for the past few months. Yeah. And just kind of been developing, and it, it kind of seemed funny that I started getting more workshop and gigs and jobs to teach children yeah. and kids and stuff like that, and. Like the timing was awesome because if you were if you were to put me in that position years back, I'd be teaching them like stack combos and shit, <laughs> shit that they can't do. Yeah, because I wasn't practicing footwork back in the day. You know what I mean? I, I don't think anybody really does. Like footwork yeah. is one of those things that's like monotonous, like it's kind of boring, and very few people see that creative aspect to it. We're like, damn, I could do this, 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 and that. And I could put this pattern backwards. I could add this, 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 and that. Exactly. And everyone's just wanting to focus on like shit. The yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. And and that's okay too because like eventually their bodies will start breaking down and yeah, you know what? And then like when it strips down to it, all you can do is top rock and footwork. Yeah. Like how much can you do with this? Those two like concepts. Exactly. You know? yeah. That's all. Really, that's all you fucking need to break, dude. Top dude, rock and yes. footwork. That's all you need. That's, that's how you become timeless as a B-boy. Exactly. I yeah. agree. It's longevity for me. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? So once, I mean, the earlier you, you grasp the concept of footwork, you know what I mean? The easier it is for you to transition to that period yeah, of breaking. You want from footwork, dude. Yeah. So you're a teacher, and uh, you're kind of teaching kids now. That's a, that's a big thing. Um, and it's a different, it's an entirely different uh, aspect of breaking than competing. Because... Now you're not telling, you're not trying to win anything. Yeah. Now you're trying to keep these people's attention, right. and you're trying to inspire them to do more yeah. and to become their own person. Exactly. So, what are your thoughts on being an inspiration for these kids? Like, people look up to you now. Yeah. What does that mean for you, like personally? Well, for me, I mean, it definitely keeps on going. But um, teaching is more. 
Like, people look up to you now. Like, people are like, damn, I want to be like Nikki Q. I definitely agree with that. Um, and the way I teach now is is I'm not, kind of, I'm not like the uh, Nazi Hitler type, yeah. you know, where, hey... <laughs> Get out of the ground. Yeah, yeah. Let's see six step right now. You know, like six steps. You know what yeah. I mean? Like fifth, six steps, one minute, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One minute. You know, like I I kinda try to be like that because there needs to be structure in class. But then I want the kids to be free too. Because like whenever I'm at session or practice, I'm not freaking drill like yeah, hey, fifty is, seconds, yeah, yeah. guys, let's go. I'm not doing that. Like I'm hanging out and I'm chilling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I teach OCB or Origin uh, Crew Breakers, um, we're hanging out, we're chilling. Like w- what we do in the future, you know? Like, hey, this is what sessions like. This is what practice is like. Hey, like you guys want to make routines? Let's make routines. You know? Like, yeah. Very flexible. You know what I mean? Flexible. Yeah. You know? Like today, like I had a today I taught kickouts, right? Like double kickouts, air kickouts, blah blah blah. And there's this part where we did like partner kickouts and like. Two two kids weren't doing what I was teaching them. Yeah. So, but they were doing kickouts in their way. They created something they on the spot. Right? Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I like that. I like that. So what we're gonna do now? Hey, can you teach us real quick? They're like, okay, this is what we do. So they they taught they taught me how to do it. You know what I mean? I'm like, all right. So we're gonna do the regular kickouts. Then hey, what do you call that? What do you call that? Lazy kickout. Okay, we're gonna do the double kickout. Then we're gonna go into the lazy kickout. Okay. So one, two, three. So that way they know they can create something and teach me. Yeah, you're making them feel important from creating something. That's really cool. That's the, that makes for a better environment, I think. Yeah, like I don't want them to dread because, like, look, when I I open that studio, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're the first person I see, so like I can't bring that neg- negative energy to start their day. You That's know what true. I mean? Yeah. So I'm not gonna be because I don't want them to like, man, like we have breaking in the morning, right. you know, like. Fuck, I'm, t- I'm tired and shit. Like, do they call you Mr. Nikki? Nah, they don't. Just call you Nikki? Yeah, they just call me Nikki or whatever. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> they, they mess around. You know, it's, it's hilarious, man. Each each one has their own personality, obviously, and they bring it out. And that's what I want to see. They, I want them to be comfortable around me. You know what I mean? Because I don't want them to be like stiff, like oh shit, we gotta, oh fuck, it's gonna get on our ass. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, hey, if you got tired, just go get a drink. Like I don't care. Like listen to your body. Like. If you're tired, if you need a drink, just get a drink. Like, you don't have to get my permission. You know what I mean? Just do it. Like, just come back. You know what I mean? So being a teacher, like, there's so many different styles in teaching. And I think the way you're doing it is, like, really interesting. Because kids always want to be able to do their own thing. Even in, like, an environment where they're, like, learning. At the end of the day, like, they want to learn these things so that they can do it on their own. And you're already giving them that freedom from the get-go. And I don't think a lot of people do that. A lot of people do that drill route. A lot of people do the, all right sit down, watch me do it, now you're going to do it 15 times, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that approach, like, where, like, I, I mean, I see kids, like, in Russia that are seven or eight years old doing air flare combos and shit like that. I mean, like I said, the level of uh, competitiveness, competitiveness in other countries are greater than the United States, which yeah. is okay, whatever the hell. But then again, like, there's a lot of trainers out there that do want to train their kids to become world champions, like, in boxing, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Hey, let's go to the gym, son. Son, like I mean, and that's freaking great because wake up at five, run a mile. Exactly, yeah. and that's yeah. and I love that too because if the if the if the kid is into it, then I you know then 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 it's okay. Yeah. But if it's like you're you're making the kid do it, but 
At the same time, I can see it because like they're staying out of trouble and shit. Like they, that's you're, true. You're in their sight all, at all times, but there's got to be a little bit of freedom. Yeah. yeah, you eventually have to pose the question like, is this what my kid wants to be doing, or is yeah. this what I want my kid to be exactly. doing? Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it does go that way where like the coaches are like, you know, like oh, 50 drills, 50, and and those kids become really good b boys. Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't, yeah. I don't hate on that because. If that if that's what kind of b boys they want to produce or b girls that they want to produce, that's awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, the the kids that I want to produce is like long term. Yeah, yeah kids, kids that, that will do things, things at their own pace. pace you know? Their own pace. That hey, I'm creative. I know how to I know how to create stuff. Yeah, they want to do things on their own terms. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. I want to. I'm thinking long term for these kids. I mean, like I understand. Like, and I'm not saying like the people that drill their kids aren't thinking long term either because they are you know what i mean because their physique is going to be freaking nuts. <laughs> crazy yeah they're going to be freaking machines right you know what i mean but then i also like the creativity part of it like being liberal on that part so like yeah you know you, you touch a good point like a lot of other countries do a lot of like competing and these kids are going to go out there they're going to start winning jams at eight years old you know? yeah, dude, exactly. and you see it a lot like on stance and stuff like there's a reason why there's kids battles for freestyle session because there's a market for that um and you you've been a competitor a long time uh according to your instagram and like from what you've told me before you've been a competitor and not just breaking but in other communities as well uh, you've been a professional fighter before. Yes, 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 yes. So tell me a little bit about that and how that's like a contrast to breaking. Yeah, so um, during my senior year in high school, I always had the thought of quitting breaking okay. because I was entering adulthood college. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I thought, I, thought I was like, oh shit, I got to go to college. I'm becoming an adult now. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Like, I can't be breaking. That's kid stuff, right? That's, yeah. That was mine. Got to mature. But what the opposite happened because once once I moved out of my parents' house, um, my mom's house, I should say, um, <laughs> shit, we were throwing parties every weekend, you know, what I mean? like keggers. <laughs> yeah, it's that period where like you know, like you're that's freaking free, and you're like getting fucked up every weekend, and yeah. all that stuff. Like you know, you can't. So it's just like that's kind of how my mind went. You know, it's like it pretty much went down the gutter. It was just like party all freaking time like fuck breaking like breaking isn't here for me like yeah. i can't do shit with breaking well fuck man at the time i didn't even know what the fuck i was doing you know what i mean yeah yeah, yeah. so, so i could go, go from, from that, that yeah, yeah yeah so 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 once i quit breaking right um yeah. i felt like i had i still was an energetic person so i felt like i had to do something yeah and at the time like i had a wrestling background so i wanted to do mma Okay, so did you wrestle in high school? Yeah, I wrestled in high school. Okay, cool. Um, I wanted to do MMA, and then, like, my testosterone levels were so high because, you know, <laughs> I'm out of high school. Yeah, yeah. I'm a freaking, freaking party rager, freaking pretty much living the frat lifestyle, you know, like right, bro yeah. lifestyle, you the, know what I mean? The bro lifestyle, and damn. MMA at the time was a trend in Iowa, you know what I mean? Like, everybody was fucking fighting. Like, you can sign up for a fight. Every fucking weekend, if you wanted to, you just got to travel, right? Yeah. So my uh, wrestling coach at one point, he's a promoter for MMA, and he asked me if I wanted to fight. Damn, how convenient. Right, exactly. So it was like, shit, man, something's like hinting at me. I should be fucking fighting, you yeah. know? So after trial and error with my mom and my sister, because they're kind of my lifeline or whatever, you know, they're like, yeah. hey, we don't think you should fucking fight because you're going to get your ass kicked. You, know, you, don't fucking, you don't fucking fight, dude. What the fuck are you talking yeah. about? So I'm like, you know, it's going to be fucking fine. You know, we're going to train, whatever. Yeah. 
So finally, I got the green flag or whatever. I mean, I was going to do it anyway, you know, regardless. Right. But they they were on board. I was like, okay, that makes me feel better. Now I can fucking train. So I started training, and then uh, my first fight, right? So my first fight was at 155 pounds. Now I'm 5'5", five, five, right? The guy I fought was 6'1". He was at least 6 foot, right? 6 foot. Or six foot. Damn, that's a big height difference. Right. You must have had reach on you. Yeah, he cut down from 175 pounds to 155, so he lost okay. 20 pounds, right? Yeah. To fight me, so he's naturally walking around at 175. I naturally walk around at 155. Okay, okay so, so that, that was, was just comfortable weight for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he had 20 pounds on me because you had to think he rehydrated, and yeah. and this is the amateur league where you know you weigh in once, you know, and <laughs> right. if you yeah. if you're close, you're good. You know, if you weigh 159, the fight's still fucking happening. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we fight. I take him to the third round, and he puts me in a triangle. And I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, my first fight, I lost, which is fine. And I remember, like, laying down in the back for, like, 30 minutes, like, fucking gassed out, dude. You know what? And, you know, just having that talk, I'm like, dude, do you want to do this? Like, get your ass whooped all the time? Like, I was like, you know, but for me, uh, my personality is, like, I have to leave on a good note. Right. right yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let's fucking train again for one more fight, right? So the next four MMA fights, I won four in a row by KO. Damn. And all of them. So I'm like, oh fuck, I got something. You know, like, I'm holding on something right now. I got it. How often were these fights, by the way? Um, once a month. Oh, so you were just like, this was a long term investment, kind of. Right? Well, I mean, short term kind of, because like I thought, yeah. I thought I was gonna make big leagues fast. Oh, okay, okay. So you're still amateur league all the way. Through amateur league all the way in MMA in MMA. Okay. So. Um, by the end of my MMA career, I guess you could say in my amateur was four and three because the last two matches I didn't really train for. Yeah. And were I, those pro fights? No, 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 oh, okay. no. So the pro fights were in boxing. Ooh. Yeah. So you were like a fighter, not just MMA, but you did boxing. Yeah, I did too. boxing too. So, um, my last two fights I got submitted, right? That's how I lost them. So then I like, at the time I felt sorry for myself and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get some anymore. I'd rather freaking boss where we actually fucking throw it out in a fight. Yeah. Let's fucking like throw hands. Like, I don't care yeah. about fucking choking yeah. me and triangles and all that stuff. I want to fucking fight. You know what yeah. I mean? So, <laughs> which was <laughs> pretty funny. So, it's easy to become a professional boxer. Really? Easy. All you have to do is sign the dotted line. Really? Yeah, that's all and it is. Without, without training. training without training, nothing. I mean, that's your life. You're signing your life away. I mean, potentially, you know, you're stepping yeah. in the ring. It's your, you know, your decision. So I signed the dotted line because uh, the promoters at the time were like, hey, uh, do you want to transition to boxing? you want to try boxing? I'm like, okay, well, what is it going to be, amateur? Or he's like, no, we're going to do pro. I'm like, okay. So they <laughs> put me through the process. Because, like, the person that uh, – the promoter was actually um, – he worked for the Athletic State Commission. Oh, okay. So you this have is still to, in Iowa. Yeah, this is in Iowa. So you actually have to get papers from the athletic commission okay. for you to be a, a licensed professional, right? And I got the little license. I wish I still had that. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wish I still – but anyway, my first match, I remember I was in tip-top shape, bro. Like, like you trained for this. I trained for this improperly. Like, okay. <laughs> I my cardio level was so fucking great. Like, I remember running the hill, like, the first week, I, would, I could run up sprints up this hill, like, three times, right? Yeah. By the end of it, by, towards the end of the fight, I was doing it ten times and running back home. Easy. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. So, the reason why I said I was training improperly 
was because I wasn't sparring. So I was hitting the mitts, I was hitting the bag, I was running, I was doing all this shit. Yeah. But the only thing I was lacking was sparring. Like I didn't get to practice what I was doing. Right, someone else, yeah. yeah. So I remember they had this like little amateur show, and I was like, dude, I have to spar somebody. You know what I mean? And it was at the guy's gym that I was okay. fighting. You know what I mean? So he got to watch me spar. You know what I mean? During training. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's a that's a thing where like you don't want you don't want to show people your sparring shit because you can oh, okay. you can get exposed. So is it kind of like like training in breaking where you don't want to show anybody your new move? Well, there is that aspect, but for yeah. me in breaking, I don't care about that. No oh, okay. more. I don't care about that no yeah, more because yeah, yeah. that's a bigger picture at that point. So you don't want anyone to see like your weaknesses. Or, yeah, you don't yeah. in boxing because you, you don't want to get knocked out. That's true. Like that's I don't true. care about getting knocked out and breaking. Like I'm yeah. fine. Yeah. But like if someone knocks me out, I can shatter my jaw and shit. You know Losing I mean? in top sixteen is not like getting exactly. knocked out in a fight. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I did a sparring thing at his gym. He watched me, and I was exposed, bro. Like I got exposed, bad. Yeah. So the fight was actually two weeks later, and then. <laughs> yeah, I got fucking knocked out in the second round, bro. Like, uh, he, I took a knee, and the ref like told him to go back into his corner, and then he came up to me and he started counting at five because I was already on the ground. Yeah, it's like five, six, and I looked at my corner. You know, my, I'm fucking busted up. My nose is busted up. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, if I get up, I'm gonna get knocked the fuck out, bro. Yeah. So I looked at my corner. I'm like, nah, I can't do this, dude. Like. Then he counted, the referee counted me out, 10, you know, like, God, but like, okay, fuck it, you know, like, like I said, I can't fucking lose, I can't <laughs> leave yeah, on a loss, Yeah. so I had another professional boxing match, and I knocked that kid out, so then, <laughs> that was my last fight, <laughs> I fucking cashed my chips out right there, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go off on a win, fuck this. You went out on a high note. Yeah. yeah. So, well, what's it like to take a hit to the face? Like, bro, like, um, I've got a clean shot pretty good to my nose and um uh things go black bro like Damn. especially like okay so you're under the lights you're coming out and then like once the dude knows that you don't have any power against him he rushes you bro like he can do that because like he doesn't respect your power right, right. yeah so he's throwing bombs at you so like i'm trying to defend he throws a right hand right to my fucking uh nose uh my vision goes black and i'm like fuck dude like I'm panicking at this moment, right? <laughs> so I'm backing up, backing up. Then I just take a knee because I'm like, okay, I have to take this knee. And that's when the referee counted me out. So when did, uh, for your, the one that you did win, what round did you knock him out? Uh, first round. Damn, so it was quick and clean. Yeah, yeah. So that fight, uh, I, I was actually training. Okay. I you, actually sparred, sparred and, and all that stuff. Prepared, like, yeah. Even, yeah, I, I knew what I was doing and I had a proper team. And... That's what, like, when I went on the four-fight win streak, I had a proper team for that. Yeah. Once I had a big head, I didn't want that team no more. Okay. I was like, that's when I started losing. Okay, yeah. So, uh, really, like, fighting is about having a team, dude. Like, you can't do that shit by yourself, dude. Yeah. And be, and be like, like, make substantial amount of money, you know? Right. right? So, so, what are the payouts like, like when you win a fight? So, okay, so actually, like, it, it, it's up to you. It's up to you. Now really? it's kind of the wild, wild west right now. Because, like, if you... I mean, in boxing now, if you are your own promoter, you call the shots. Like, how much you get and stuff like that. Uh, so, back in the day, my promoter, like, they can only cut me 100 bucks a fight. You know what I mean? And, and these are just, like, you know, like, low level. But I could have 
But see, for me, I had no amateur experience. Right. If I had Olympic experience, I'm not gonna get a hundred bucks, bro. Right. Yeah, you're gonna raise up the price. You're gonna, yeah. Dude, you're gonna get fucking five figures right away. At least twenty k. At least twenty. At least twenty k. Even if you lose. Yeah, dude, that's in the contract because like, if you're an Olympic, like, say if you're Olympic silver medalist or gold medalist, and it's your first professional debut, you're not making you're not making less than ten G's for sure. Damn. And that's and that's your promoter, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're making way more. But again, I mean, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors with those boxers because I've never been in that situation, right? So, but I can only guess, and that you know what I mean. But that makes it, it's plausible because like a gold medalist is not gonna make a hundred bucks their first professional fight. That's true. Yeah. But a taxi cab driver is because he has no freaking amateur experience no one knows who the hell he is that's true right yeah so that's why i was making 100 bucks for my uh first two professional fights so after the second fight i got an email from my promoter and they were like hey um we're gonna offer you 600 this time uh this guy is four and oh three ko's you know so <laughs> i me i googled him there's a there's a freaking um there's a website called boxrec.com. Yeah. That's a database for every registered boxer in the United States. And I mean, in the freaking world. Right. In the freaking world. So if you're a prof- licensed professional boxer, your name is in there. So if you Google me in there, yeah, I'm in right there. Now? I'm in there. So that's how I knew it was real. Does this just have stats or is there like video highlights and stuff? Stats, bro. Okay. Stats only. Okay. And the referee, what bell was, round, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. As descriptive as you can possibly make it. So I looked this guy up. Fucking, this guy was ranked 125th in the nation at 147 pounds. 125 out of, there's 300 million people in America. Let's say, I don't even, let's say 100, let's say 100,000 boxers. 100,000 boxers. And ranked 125. And he's ranked 100, you know what I mean? I mean, the ratio might not be there. But like a David versus Goliath. Exactly. Yeah. I'm finding a guy that's ranked in the top 200. I'm over here fucking eating chips on my couch, bro. You know what I mean? Like, my professional record is one and one. Yeah. Exactly. You know what I mean? So yeah. I knew what was happening there. I was like, okay, I'm going to be a stepping stone for this guy. Yeah. You're getting um, set up. Um, it's either getting set up, but if I do really train real hard properly, I can beat this guy and my purse would go up. My purse would go up. Yeah, yeah that's true. true. You know what I mean? If I KO'd this guy... My, I could be demanding four figures. Like, That's hey, true, can yeah. I get a thousand dollars this time? Yeah, you know what I mean? For you too. Too. Exactly, you exactly. And I could cut my prom- promoter something too. That's true. And then like we could come up with characters about whatever. That, process, that's just yeah. like deep into it. Yeah. I'm not even in th- that far. But at the time, I made a decision to go the other route. Hey, what if you fucking breaks your fucking orbital? You know, like your yes. orbital's broken, your fucking nose broken, your jaw's broken, dude. Six hundred dollars is not gonna cover your fucking hospital bill, bro. Yeah. So I was like, then I asked the ultimate question: Are you a fighter? And the, the answer is no, dude. I'm not a fucking fighter, dude. <laughs> Fighters live at the gym, bro. Like as you see this, man. I live at the fucking gym for dancing. You see the fucking mouth. Yeah. For those at home right now, we're sitting on Nicky Q's uh, session space, which is in his room. He's got linoleum. It's a pretty decent-sized space. This is where he does his hashtag small space session. And he literally sleeps here. At night, he puts out his mattress. He sleeps here. He wakes up. He wakes up where he practices. And I think a lot of people don't do that. And that's a tall dedication. That's, that's the boxer equivalent of living at the gym. That's the b-boy equivalent of living at the gym. Yeah. It's, it's convenient, man. Like, 
if you're if you're in the gym all the time, it's convenient. Dude, if it's down your street, it's convenient. Yeah. But if you have to freaking go 20, 40 miles away That's to true. fucking practice, dude, like especially if you're the type of b boy who needs to practice with people, and you and you have to travel, right, dude, you're you're not gonna practice. You're not gonna break for a long time, dude, because you're depending on that. So you have to figure out where to practice. Like I don't you I don't really like I only practice in my room every now and then, but. I, I practice at the tennis court all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's not, man, I can that's, run there right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not, not that, that far away. away. Um, so, so boxing and breaking sounds like it's completely like different. You can yeah. lose in top eight every week, but you can't take a hit to the face that will damage you every week, you know? Yeah, exactly. And also, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of, I mean, maybe this is just me assuming, but it doesn't sound like it's a lot of creativity in boxing. It sounds like it's very objective. Well, no, there is creativity. It's a high-speed chess, bro. Oh, okay. like, you know what I mean? Like, chess, chess in general is creativity. Like, it's the master of, like, fucking... Master of the mind. Yeah, yeah master of the mind. That's a good way. Um, boxing is really creative because, I mean, even though it's mechanically not that creative, you know what I mean? It's, right. It's straightforward mechanically. Right. But the thought... Of throwing one jab to set up another punches, you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of high chess in there. If, like, say if you're in deep in the eighth round and your opponent like is used to you jabbing and shit, now you gotta switch it up. And you right. know, you know, it's, it sounds like it's a lot of like in the moment. Like you gotta, as you're going, you gotta make up these things. It's a game. It's a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they say that all boxing matches are won at the gym, and that's true that's, to me. Yeah, that's true to me. Um, I mean, what else can you do, man? You train hard, but I mean, right. sometimes you get outclassed. Dude. That's and, and that happens in everything. Yeah, like that could be in running, that could be in, in breaking. Like, yeah, yeah, and it's not always going to be your day. I think that's the same thing. Yeah, that's how you learn. That's how you grow. So, kind of guide me through the process of creating like a combo and boxing, and creating a combo and breaking. Like, how different is it? Well, creating a combo in boxing is you're playing off your opponent, right? Like, right. if you want to throw a one, two, three, you better make sure that it's gonna like it's gonna connect. So there's a lot of game plan to that. You might have you might land that shot in the ninth round. You know what I mean? But you're setting up the whole time. You're setting right. it up, but it takes a long time for you to land that combo, which is fine. Okay. That's the beauty of it. Like, right. you're you're setting up a trap and everyone's seeing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the freaking mind I like. Like, holy shit. Like, he fucking, like, played this guy the whole time, but it looked like he was fucking getting smoked. Right. right. Yeah. He, he was setting... You're investing, pretty much, yeah, 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 to get yeah, this yeah, big payoff exactly. at the end. Okay. Exactly. But for breaking, like, the like the combos and breaking this, like, more flexible. You know what I mean? I'm not in danger. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Uh, but then, again, like, when it comes down to footwork, uh, I actually practiced the other day... Uh, I'm trying to come up with the concept for footwork called the one one or the one one two. Okay. So the one one two is just like a triplet in dancing, like or some or I don't even know if that was a triplet. Right? Yeah. So that's the one one two. One one two. So like a jab jab cross. Right? Okay. Jab jab cross. So like there's a combo in boxing, jab jab cross, right? But you can fuck with the timing. Okay. okay. So jab, jab cross. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. jab jab cross, cross. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can fuck <laughs> yeah. with it. Yeah. So just imagine if you're doing footwork like that, like you do a CC, jab jab, hop, 
cross. cross. Okay. You know? Yeah. But so I'm kind of trying to mix boxing concepts with breaking footwork concepts. Just in footwork though, because like right now my focus is footwork. Okay. And I can I can adapt boxing concepts to footwork easily. Interesting. Do you think it would it helps you that you've been boxing before, right now as a as a b boy? To create those moves? Yeah, I guess you could say. Yeah. No, I mean, all you need to know is the concept, right? Yeah. Just the triplet concept. It's, it's easier for you. Yeah, it's easy for yeah. me because I know, like, when to throw a 1 1 2 or just a 1 2 or just a jab or whatever. You know what I mean? Just mixing it up like that because that's how you need to do it in boxing. You can't become predictable in, bo- predictable in boxing. That's, that's true. true. You'll get knocked the fuck out. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> easy. Um. <clears throat> So this is you creating, but what happens when you can't think of something new? When you get that creative mental block, how do you process that? How do you go through that? Well, so there's always something to do, right? In breaking, like yeah. say if like I'm freaking st- like stuck at a standstill, like say if I'm creating a stack combo or something like that, I would literally just drill it until I get it. Like, okay. Like there's so I mean there's times where b boys I can see it in every practice where b boys like do forward. And then they're like thinking at the system. You know what I mean? They're like, okay, I'm gonna do okay, footwork's gonna go under here. Then I'm gonna go grab the leg right here. Yeah. And then you know you know that process is like yeah. okay. And then you're like, okay, they're thinking of what to do. The, the trial, trial and error, yeah. The trial and error process and uh I think uh if you are trying to be more creative and you are doing that right then and there, uh you just need to put yourself in a different environment. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah. like if I'm in my room and I can't fucking think of anything, like if you go out to the concrete, you're going to do different shit. That's true. You know yeah. what I mean? You're going to do way different shit. Yeah. If you go to a slick floor, hardwood floor, you're going to do power or something like that. Right. And even when you practice with a lot of people, like yeah. being around people kind of helps you yeah. like push out a little bit exactly. more. Yeah. And honestly, if you and if you're feeling uncreative at practice around people just fucking bite their shit and flip it <laughs> that's all you gotta do you're there to practice like that's true you're there to practice dude who gives a fuck like uh, I mean don't bite their shit and, I mean bite it and flip it like if you fucking create a variation see, yeah, if you see uh, someone doing a certain kind of footwork pattern like you can flip that shit like just take the first step of it and then flip it yeah you know what I mean and even if you try to do it exactly like they did nothing Nothing is so exclusive where it's going to look exactly the same because exactly. everybody has different bodies. Exactly. And, and it might look the same or whatever the fuck, but dude, it's your homeboy or, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's you're like fucking your... boys, bro. Like, <laughs> you guys are just chilling and practicing together. It's nothing fucking serious, you know what I mean? That's how people grow, I think. If you're not sessioning with people, I, I don't think you really get the best experiences of people. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Because when you keep yourself, like, sheltered into your own practices, you really can't see what other people are doing. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes that's good. Sometimes yes. you need no, to. No, there is pros yourself. and cons. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. But, but you need to go out and see what else. Like, what else is out there? Like, how are people doing this move? How could I be doing my moves differently? You know? Because there are people out there that are saying, "Hey, what if you do uh, after that combo? What if you do this?" Yeah, yeah that's, that's true. true. You that's know true. what I mean? And that's one thing. Like, like you said, there's, a, there's, there are cons about practicing by yourself, where like no one can coach you through that. You have to coach yourself. Or yeah. I mean. And to kind of like, um, how do you say, balance that out is record yourself yeah, and then watch. Because, yep. I mean, if you don't practice with anybody, that's the best way to freaking give yourself feedback is record yourself, right? So, I mean, that's why you see Nico getting better all the time. He yeah, watches Nico his footage yeah. all the time. Um, the first person I, I freaking got that idea from was Minnesota Joe. 
right? Until this day, until this day, he that's all he does. He records himself at practice and watches it religiously, bro. Like that's why he's so like successful. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned that because nowadays with the internet and with apps and phones and everything, you can watch anybody's practice. If they're posting clips, you can watch anybody's practice from anywhere. And that's so crazy because like. Not only do you, I mean, you still going, for the record, I still advise going out to a session and like learning from people in person, but you could stay home, watch people's clips, watch stance, watch strife, and then you could grow from that, you know? And a lot of people learn from YouTube. I learned from YouTube. I came up on YouTube. Um, And you yourself, you're very uh, active on Instagram. You post a lot of footage, you post a lot of content, you engage with your followers. Yes. And um, I, I want you to kind of tell me a little bit about how that's so important to you and how that's helping you grow as an artist. Yeah, man. Um, there's two sides to becoming an artist is the art itself and the marketing aspect. That's right? true. Yeah. The marketing aspect is what interests me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not a lot of people can create their own brand. No. Nah. I mean, the skills, I think everyone has the skills. If you can do fucking six that you have the skills, dude. Yeah, yeah. 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 You just, have to, you just have to be confident in yourself and know how to market it, right? So for me, um, I've been breaking for 18 years now, and now I'm ready for a different aspect of this dances. And I love Instagram because, man, there's hundred there's like 100 million followers on that movie. Yeah. Yeah, thing, dude. Yeah. yeah, anybody can watch his footage. Anybody can come on and be like, damn, that's exactly. who's this guy? And that's, that's how it grows. It's easy. And yeah. You know what? Like, you know what's crazy? Like, People think that there's not enough for everybody, dude. Everyone can, dude, everyone can fucking get this ass. Like, dance is everywhere, dude. Yeah, yeah dance is literally everywhere. I bet yeah. you, if I, dude, I bet you, I'm going to try to guess and say 98% of the people in the world fucking danced in their life. I'm not, actually, yeah, you know what, 100%. No, I think so too, yeah. 100% is a good like one. A freaking shimmy, a shimmy in their shoulders. Something like, whoever doesn't, like, if you don't listen to music, I yeah. guess, you know what I mean? But even then, I feel dance is super interpretive. There's so many styles yeah. of dance that even what we don't think is dance exactly. could be considered dance. Exactly. So, yeah, no, I feel you on that 100% so, for sure. With that being said, like, dance is supposed to make you feel happy and shit. Who doesn't, like, feel happy? There's a market for that, dude. Like, yeah. Like, all these B-boys that don't think they're good enough to fucking charge for what their, their services are or whatever the hell, they're making, they're either cutting themselves short it's like, dude, come on, bro. Like, yeah, we're marketing here. You know what I mean? And it's also about being confident enough to like push out yeah. yourself. If you're not confident in wanting to host a workshop that's fifteen dollars, how is anybody going to be confident to book you for a workshop that's ten dollars or five dollars? I definitely agree. So, uh, I think at some point everyone has to recognize their self worth. Yeah. And Instagram really helps you get there. If you're doing numbers, like you post a video and it gets a thousand views, you're like, damn, a thousand people are interested in what I'm doing. Yeah. How could I translate that into a market for a workshop or a class? And not a lot of people are doing that. I think that's why, like, well, for, for the sake of, of transparency, when I was picking guests for the podcast, I immediately thought Nikki Q because of the way you, like, handle yourself on Instagram, how you go about that. And it's not like you're posting, like, vlogs and stuff. You're posting your own growth, and people are getting inspired off that. Uh, for, the, for those that don't know, Nikki hosted, like, a hashtag small space session where he was just recording himself practicing in his house. And uh, people were really, like, responsive to that. A lot of people were filming their own small space sessions, and Nikki was being super engaging with them. And that was really cool. Like, not a lot of artists have that reach. 
and you see like very few people come up with that sort of mentality. Like, I'm gonna inspire people from my own home. I don't have to go out to the session, like, and that's crazy. Like, Instagram empowers you like that. This app is free. Anybody could do this. Exactly, and that's what it's for, dude. Like, man, that's why they sold it for a billion dollars, man. Yeah. Like, you know, who wants to pay a billion dollars for something if they don't know? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They're gonna get a freaking investment on that shit dude so that billion it could turn into two billion yeah fuck that's why facebook bought it dude you yeah. know what i mean <laughs> and on a smaller scale like anybody can go out post their jam footage exactly. and someone's gonna dm them like yo man like what's up i'm from arizona like you're really dope you want to teach a workshop you want to judge my jam and that's how that grows uh word of mouth is important but word of mouth is like Damn, this is gonna sound super generational to me but that's kind of like old school like everything is promoted online now um, so Instagram really kind of provides that platform for anybody doing anything, not just dance. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. And I try to, I try to like give everyone that advice because like every artist, either, either you're a painter or a photographer, like, Hey dude, there's no reason why you can't upload every day. Yeah. yeah. There's no reason why dude, you have to upload every day because like you want to be in people's faces. Yeah, you want to be How are you going to be in people's faces if you're posting every other five days? Yeah, yeah that's true. You know what I mean? Bring out content because, like, say, like for me, like when I started the hashtag, uh, actually, uh, my first hashtag was uh, twenty four session, right? Oh, I remember that. And one, that's yeah. when I would practice that twenty hour fitness, and um, I would add to that all the time because I wanted to be in people's faces, bringing out good content, and yeah. because you know, like, not a lot of you boys out there, like, okay, if you want to be really big out there, you'd win a big jam, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not everybody has that opportunity. That's true. Right? Yeah. But if you can get these small wins on Instagram. Small wins. You can still fucking win, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you can be out there. Like, there's this, like, um, like, there's B-Boys out there, like, uh, Subin, like, Subin Choi from fucking Quest Crew. You know what I mean? Like, he's fucking, dude, he's fucking amazing. Yeah, he's, he's doing, doing big things. things. He's doing big things. I've never seen him win a gym, but he, you see all the followers he has? Yeah. You don't have to win a jam. To be someone that can share something with other people. Exactly, yeah. And that's my way of thinking where like, hey, do I have to win fucking Red Bull BC1 to do fucking right, football? Yeah. Even though that would boost your fucking followers. No, that would be Guaranteed good. that would boost your followers. That's, that's how you get more opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. But then there are other ways to boost your followers too. That's you true. You know what I mean? And Nico is the prime example of that. Oh, Nico Spins. For those of you who don't know, Nico Spins, he's been coming up lately. Uh, on Instagram, he has his own followers. He's... He just kind of blew up over a really short span of time. 150 days, he gained 7,000 followers, man. If that, if that does not amaze you, that you're not thinking about it the right way. That's crazy. And as a b-boy, like, even though we do have a market, it's not that big. It's not like, it's not like you're a star basketball player, you know what I mean? This is, it's a smaller community. So growing up like that and getting that much like, expansion for followers is crazy. Exactly. So let's talk about the end of your career, which hasn't happened yet, but hypothetically speaking. Yeah. Um, when do you think you're going to end? Like you've done this 18 years, like in the, in your mind, at what point do you feel like you'll be done? Like physically? Like, yeah. Or physically or mentally, you know? Physically, I'm going to go until I can't last anymore. And, okay. you know, I, I, I think my body is prepared for that, you know, to go yeah. until it can't go anymore. Mentally, I'm here forever. You know like, You know what right. I mean? Like people can't think of like your, your passion as short-term stuff yeah it's temporary 
Yeah. You have to think. You have to think your passion is fucking until the day you die, bro. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you, you don't, don't feel that way, you're maybe possibly not doing the right thing. Exactly. You're not pursuing like you, the right you don't, area. Believe, you don't believe in what you're doing. You know what yeah, I mean? exactly. You know what I mean? And I'm glad I experienced that early with fighting and MMA. Like I knew I wasn't for. I knew I wasn't a fighter. So then, so then, like, <laughs> it took a few fights to get there, but you, you know figured I mean? out you weren't a fighter. Yeah. And then um, I asked myself, dude, what are you gonna do? Like, do you do you want to go to work all the time and just have family kids and that's all you want to do and like wish you uh did you something this, yeah. wish you did something right. i mean i'm not saying i don't want a family or anything because family is beautiful yeah, yeah no, but yeah. to regret like something that you didn't want to do because you had a family you know that's that's, that's fucked up that's yeah. kind of fucked up to blame blame shit because you had a family you know you have <laughs> you have okay for all the single people out there right now or People who have girlfriends or whatever, like if you don't have any kids, dude, do what you want right now. That way you don't have any excuses later. Well, you, you still, still have the opportunity. opportunity. Yeah. yeah, like when you're 40 or 50, like you don't want to be like, shit, man, like I don't know what I'm going to do for retirement. Like, yeah. Retirement, some, like in 10 years. Like if you're, if, you're in, if you're in your 20s, even 30s, or even 40s, for real, you can save for retirement. It's not That's too late. Yeah. It's not too late. What you do now is gonna affect your future. So you if you're invest. out here, if you're out here dicking around, like not saving for retirement or not getting out of debt for one, you know what I mean? Like you gotta think about your future. You don't want to be working when you're seventy years old, missing out on your granddaughter's soccer game because your your dumbass has to fucking work. Yeah, you know what I mean, you have yeah. to be preparing for your future now. Everyone needs to have a sustainable way of living, I feel like. You can't yeah. be living like, oh, dang, maybe I'm going to get money soon. No, it's like, kind of build yourself up to get there, you know what I mean? And so when you get older and as you start deteriorating, you're already set yourself up from when you were younger. And I think that's what, you talked about that before we started recording. Sustainability is a big thing that does not exist in b-boying. And it's like, while it may be cool to see like Red Bull events and like all these Red Bull b-boys like uh, doing workshops and like posting on Instagram, traveling to battle, we don't really think about the sustainability of that. Like after their bodies give out, what else do they have to give, you know? And that's why he's, Nikki is investing in his brand and he's kind of thinking long term, which is something a lot of, a lot of people don't do. Um, yeah, I'm thinking way long term because look, you can teach, right? B-boying, like, if you are solely focusing on winning jams and winning that cash prize, which is substantial if you win Silverback 1v1, but, yeah. dude, come on. It's not. There's 600 B-boys. They're picking top 32. It's not always your day either. You know, there's going to be days where you're going to crash, and that's exactly. it. And if you look at the top 100, like, the top 100 B-boys on the Silverback list, bro, you got to beat those guys, too. <laughs> and those guys didn't even make fucking top 32. That's come true. Come on, bro. It's creme de la creme here. You can't fucking you can't wait on Silverback to give you ten grand and a ten thousand dollar watch, and that's only twenty thousand dollars a year. Come on, bro, you can't fucking you know what I mean? Yeah. Great side gig, great side gig. Yeah, great, great side gig. Yeah, I agree, great side gig. But there's gotta be you can't more. depend on that money. You, you can't you... depend on breaking for money exactly. for long term. Exactly. So I mean, I agree. Get a job, dude. Like, just get a job that offers like four hundred one k's and shit like. That matches for your fucking retirement. You know what I mean? Something, Something that, that can, can fund, fund your artistic, artistic endeavors. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like for me, like for me, I'm a blackjack dealer, dude. Like 
that's what my plan A, well, kind of plan B is. My plan A is to become a dance teacher and just yeah. teach worldwide. And you're already starting that path. You're exactly. You know, here locally, and, yeah. And I can see it. You know, I see the light at the end of the tunnel, but there's a lot more work to do, right? But then right. I can see, uh, but like I said, dance is my side gig. Um, my my main gig is blackjack dealing because it's more consistent and it's, and it's okay, dude. Like, People that hate on nine to fives, why, man? Like, dude, it's okay to work. Right, right yeah, working is not. It's okay to work nine to fives, bro. Like, but I mean, if you find an opportunity to make fucking the amount of money you want, I please go do it. But fucking don't hate on people that need to work nine to fives. You know what I mean? It's very rare to get yeah. something that you will like uh, relieve you of doing nine to five. Like very few things in this world will give you so much money that you can just decide to skip out on that process. Exactly. And there are a few options. I mean, I, I've had some endeavors where I tried to skip out on the nine to five and, right. and I could see that light too, but then that becomes work too. You're not really doing. Yeah. You're working to sustain that lifestyle, which is entirely different. So like, I think, so the concept really of nine to five is working for somebody else, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. true. No one wants to work for somebody else, but do you want to work for yourself? So you see what I'm saying? Like, I know a lot of people don't want to work for themselves either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they don't want to put in no fucking work. It's a slippery slope to really be your own boss or work for someone else. But yeah, nowadays a lot of people hate on the nine to five idea. Yeah. But that, I feel if you're an artist, it's important to have that groundwork for you to be able to do anything else. Because especially, like, art is always changing. There's always going to be someone that comes in that will be more successful. And at some point, everybody falls off. Like, even the greatest artists stopped at some point. And at that point, you always have the option to work again, you know? So, while in the, the great thing, like, the, the idea is, like, yeah, you know, I want to go out and dance and make... You know, five figures and, and sustain myself. It's not very likely, unfortunately. So I agree with you. The, the nine to five idea, while it's hated on, I think that's the more easier, conventional way to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, not like like making that amount of money is not likely if you're solely doing competitions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. There is a way of making six figures with dancing. Like seriously, there's a brand. freaking way creating yeah. a brand. You have to create the brand first because who the fuck wants to pay two hundred bucks an hour for Nicky Q? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> who, hey Nicky Q, who the fuck are you, dude? Like, why are you charging me two hundred bucks, man? Like, yeah. you're just gonna teach my fucking kid what he can do on YouTube. But yeah. yo, I've been fucking hanging out with Kevin Hart. For the past three years, I'm the you know, oh shit. Oh, it's Nicky Q. Nicky Q, he's making hands with Kevin Hart. You know, shit like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Adding value to your name, bro. Like, you have to do that first before you start charging. So, I mean, look, you might have to grind a little bit doing these $5 workshops or even free workshops. I yeah. recommend free because, like, you get those testimonials and more, you work on your fucking brand, right? It's, it's more accessible, accessible that way. It's more too. accessible. Like, you get to fucking have the persona of, like, hey, He's fucking teaching, bro. Like, he's giving to the community. He's teaching. He's, he's doing a good job. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. people are requesting him. So, like, it becomes to a certain point where you're like, hey, you know, I'm $200 an hour. Like, this is me. Yeah. Do you want me or not? Yeah, no, no. And it's about also taking those no's sometimes. Yeah. Because if you offer yourself at a price yeah, and someone says no, 
you can't sulk on that. You can't be like, damn, he said no, so I'm going to go down to 100 bucks. I agree with that. Yeah, it's about saying, okay, he said no, someone else is going to say yes. And it's about moving on. You can't, like, so I get that feeling all the time where, like, hey, uh, my son wants a private lesson. Uh, he wants to teach you, like, what are your, what are your hours? You know, I give him a price. They're like, hey, that's kind of... Uh, expensive like can you guys kind of go lower i'm like you know like this is this is who i am like right, i understand yeah. like your son wants to do this but if you really want to like this is the price you know but i can cut you a deal if we do a multi-session long-term long-term price yeah, there we which go. would equate to something more similar it gives them more of a deal there but then go. you're getting more of a substantial amount up front, up front. Both ways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're getting this money up front you don't want to get it by session that's, That's true, because eventually anybody can just drop out. Yeah. yeah. But then with that being said, if you're going to... I mean, we're going into freaking, yeah. like, business <laughs> details here, but, like, you know what I mean? Like, business, business scheme podcast. <laughs> exactly, but, you know what I mean? Breaking is marketable. Yeah. You just no, have to find you. those people that are... You, okay, man, keeping customers is a huge thing, dude. That's true. That's true. And that all starts with Instagram. Yeah, too. dude. Keeping customers, man. If you can keep customers, that's all it is. Like, they're interested in your service. They're going to freaking keep on buying your service every freaking month, dude. That's you know true. what I mean? Eventually, you know, you're going to fucking blow up. Damn. Okay, so we've talked about pretty much every aspect of being an artist. The creating process, the different kinds of art that you can do. Boxing is an art. For those that sure. haven't talked about that, who haven't thought about that. Um, and like the longevity of careers, that's also a big thing that we talked about. So at the end of it all, once you're done breaking, once you're done boxing, once you're done creating, what will leave you satisfied? Like what, what will you look back on and be like, damn, I did that. Like I'm happy I did that. Besides dancing? Yeah, besides dancing. Like what kind of mark do you want to leave on the community that you're in right now? Uh, right now, for I want everyone to fucking become debt free. That's... This, this is, is life advice right here. Become yes. debt free. Like, look, once you become debt free and you're 60 years old, you can give back to your granddaughters. You can be there for their birthdays and shit. Yeah. Like, dude, what if? Say, look, look, let's put this in perspective. Like, if you're 60 years old and you're not debt free and you're fucking being a slave still, and your granddaughter like passes away and you can't go to her funeral, you know what I mean? Right. You don't yeah. have the money to fly out. That's true. You don't have the time because you're working off debt. That's true. Because yeah. from ages 25 to 60, you spent so much money on some dumbass shit on credit cards and shit like that. Like you're buying all this shit just to make you feel happy for a little bit, right? right. Yeah. But then, at the, like, when you're 60 and then, like, you get that phone call from a family member that they need you there, but you can't go because you don't have any money. That's. That's very real. Like that, that happens every day to a lot of people. Like, and then you're going to feel like scum at age 60. When you should be feeling relieved, you know? Exactly. Yeah. What yeah. I recommend everyone doing is look, get out of debt and look forward towards like retirement for real. At the end of the day, when you're old, you want to give back because old people want to talk. That's true. They have so many stories. They have so much to give, so much knowledge to give. Exactly. And they yeah. want to give it. But how are you going to give it if you're in debt and you're still working to pay off that debt? You know what I mean? That's true. Look, if you're $100,000 in debt or whatever, it's possible for you to get out of debt, man. It all starts, again, like you said, the concept of small wins. Like, pay back this amount, whatever you can, and eventually 
you'll be able to build up to slowly relieve yourself. Yeah. You don't need you don't need to build up your credit and all that shit. Like, look, man, people think you need to fucking max out your credit cards and all that shit. Like, come on, bro. You're a slave. Okay. Yeah. The borrower is a slave to the lender. Okay. For That's sure. a quotable right there. That's a good one. You know, for sure. And I'm getting this stuff from Dave Ramsey. If anybody knows who Dave Ramsey is, he's the author of Total Money Makeover. I recommend everybody, every single person out there reading this. Even if you're out of debt, even if you have no debt, you should still read this book. You know what I mean? This is a great Because look, the ultimate thing is doing what you want to do. How are you going to be doing what you want to do if you're slaving away for somebody else? You got to pay back everything that you used before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just imagine no debt by 30 years old and you get to save all your income. You know what I mean? That's the dream. That's the dream. And you don't even have to wait till you're 30. That's the modern day dream because a lot of people now are in debt. Like back then, I think it was a lot easier to like sustain yourself. Now it's like. I have school, I have a car, I have a mortgage, you know what I mean? People think debt is a tool. I mean, mortgage, I mean, is fine. Like, that's a different because there is, like, an investment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're investing in your own living space. Yeah, I understand that. But credit cards and, like, cars, like, people that go out and finance cars and shit, like, hey, I'm going to make, I'm going to go buy a $32,000 or uh, fucking lease or finance a $32,000 car. Yeah. But I make $40,000 a year. It's like, dude, what? <laughs> Yeah. You know how long you have to be working yeah, to pay that pay fucking off. car off? Yeah. And when you pay that car off, finally, it's going to be broke down. Yeah, yeah. now you're going to want a new car. car. You're going to want to do the same thing. Yeah. yeah. No, no, dude, I get you on that. You know what I mean? If you want to be an artist to the max, get your finances right. Get out of debt. Start saving towards retirement. That's the smartest piece of advice that I think I could have gotten just, just from coming here. Yeah, I did not expect this business turn, but... I think this definitely adds like a different side to who you are because you don't like, you don't talk business so much on Instagram, but this is one of those like opportunities that we can definitely see a different side of Nikki Q. So we're coming to a close on the podcast. I want to know if you got any plugs, like you got any social media that you want to promote, uh, anything that you're doing coming up soon. So we've been talking about Instagram at Nikki Q N I C K Y C U E all one word. At Nikki Q. Q. That's an Instagram, okay? That's where I fuck work. <laughs> that's where I fuck my work with. You know, I can't even talk right now. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, that's my only plug. Uh, some more work. I mean, I came out with a couple workshops. I'm coming out with one called the Breakdancing Bootcamp. Uh, look out for that one. If you if you think your stamina sucks, uh, let me know, okay? <laughs> Everyone's stamina sucks. So yeah, quit fucking fronting. Let me know about it. Have Nikki Q teach you at your next workshop. Uh, so yeah, Nikki Q, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for being the first guest. Thanks for dropping knowledge that not a lot of people think about on the day-to-day. I appreciate this, man. This is great, man. All right. Uh, for everybody listening at home, follow BreakNG on Instagram. We're going to have more podcasts, more guests, and we're going to be dropping more uh, artist features. So you don't have to listen to the whole podcast. We'll have audio bites. We'll have uh, photo content. You'll get all of that at the BreakNG Instagram. All right, y'all. Have a good day.